Greetings, everyone. Chief Yuya here. This is the Chief Yuya Podcast. And this is our 93rd episode of Season 2. And in this session, we're going to be um, dealing with science of proverbs or proverbs. And um, more specifically, how it relates to our understanding, our consciousness, and most importantly, wisdom. We're going to look at some brilliant words and brilliant ideas on how we tap into the standards of wisdom and where our education comes from as it pertains to that you know when we're young primarily our education is is based around oral teaching and and what's modeled in front of us and you know moments where we where we can have efficacy and and try to emulate and copy things that we see make sense and we begin to embody the truth of what is most wise and most understood and most remembered the time around us and you know that may seem primitive as we get older you know when you say I learned something because my elder told me or I have this particular proportion of wisdom because there was a voice inside of me that correlated with what you know my community also shared and you know, I got into the habit maybe of, of um, internal intellectual reasoning. Sometimes as we move forward, uh, that may not be validated inside of uh, or out in, on the outside, you know, within the streets or within the schools. And, you know, that mode of education may not seem as credible, but there's a there's a wisdom that uh, our consciousness expresses through our language. You know, our wisdom is what we say. Our, our, our wisdom is our culture. It's how we move. It's how we flow. And when we are able to convey wisdom through our instruction, uh, we're able to convey wisdom, which leads to a discretion of understanding. You know, if we are humble enough to, to receive it, then we increase in learning. And we, be, we are able to then grasp deeper things. And um, that's really what I want to focus on in this segment. You know, how do we get to that place where we can start to grasp things that are deeper and we can start to understand the consciousness of wisdom and hear it above the consciousness of foolishness? You know, understanding what it truly is to be humble, what it truly is to be meek, you know, and listening to that silent voice of wisdom, you know, so. This is going to be a, a, a beautiful exploration through uh, proverbs. I know that uh, you will definitely get a lot out of it. All right. So uh, let me share a proverb, you know, for uh, this session. And I'm also going to share our movie. All right. So let's get to our proverb. And it's as follows. When the perfect order prevails... The world is like a home shared by all. Leaders are capable and virtuous. Everyone loves and respects their own parents and children, as well as the parents and children of others. The old are cared for. Adults have jobs. Children are nourished and educated. There is a means of support for all those who are disabled or find themselves alone in the world. Everyone has an appropriate role to play in the family and society. Devotion to public duty leaves no place for idleness. Scheming for ill gain is unknown. 
sharing displaces selfishness and materialism. So the film that we're going to be diving into for um, this this session uh, for our movie night, which will be on seventh day, always five thirty-five p.m. Eastern, will be the movie by the name of Peaceful Warrior. Peaceful Warrior. All right, and that's a movie that came out. It came out a while ago, like around oh six, oh five, oh six, and uh, it's essentially it's it's a movie about ego, you know. And really the removal of ego in order to really, um, we'll say, experience a true spiritual transformation. And uh, the movie, if you're into um, gymnastics, you probably will enjoy it. You know, it's about a young gymnast uh, guy. His name is, is Dan. And um, he's played by Scott uh, Melkowitz. And Dan is, he gets into a motorcycle accident. I'm not going to give too much away. And it affects his ability to perform at the level that he was performing at before, you know, being a gymnast. And it's kind of got a similar vibe to Doctor Strange, to be honest. You know, it's, it's got a similar sort of Doctor Strange energy. But it's it's one where there's a lot of different um, uh, proverbs that are shared throughout the movie. And really it gets deep into mind training. You know your your ability to honor the master apprentice relationship and um, removing yourself from your physical form, like you know being able to really practice and manifest mind over matter. You know it's it's a, it's a really um, good film in terms of like just speaking about healing and where healing really lies. You know it lies in your in your mind. It lies in your your mind to spirit to create a connection and not just in you know egoically what you feel you can do or what you have traditionally done in the past or historically but you know when you start to let go of those sort of ideas be in the moment and um turn to where your inner strength is you know you start to really get to a place where healing is a real thing you know and nick nolte is also in the movie, which is cool, you know, uh, he's uh, he's just an interesting <laughs> character because it's really a, a philosophical movie, and you wouldn't really normally think of Nick Nolte uh, playing a, a sort of philosophical role, if you will. But um, yeah, I just found it an interesting movie when I first watched it. Watched it years ago, and I didn't I didn't know what it was about when I first grabbed it. Um, you know. I just saw the word warrior. <laughs> it's like a peaceful warrior. Oh, that looks interesting, you know. But uh, you know, and Nick Nolte, his his character he plays, his name is Socrates. So you already know, like, there's gonna be something in it. But yeah, that's the film that we're watching, Peaceful Warrior. We're gonna enjoy it. We're definitely gonna enjoy it. And I know you enjoyed. I know you enjoyed the Marvel Collins story. I know you did. You know, was it great or was it great? You know. Uh, like I said, that's a film that I've watched many times. Always an inspirational film. Um, just her, her her journey, like her real life journey, I always found to be very uh, fascinating. You know, in terms of her approach to education, her, her methodology, of course, and her results. You know, her results, and you know, as a as a parent and as an educator myself, 
she was someone uh, along with Adelaide Sanford as well. These are two women, two matriarch women that I women women's <laughs> women that I looked to and, and thought uh, were just very beautiful. Um, you know, I, I, I could almost put them up with the Trinity of William, Marva Collins, Adelaide Sanford. Shahrazad Ali, <laughs> you know, if I was to create a triplicity there, you know, the triple towers. But um, nonetheless, you know, definitely I, I, Marvin Collins, you know, was a story which I thought was beautiful because we saw uh, Morgan Freeman, his character, though he was supportive of his wife's mission, at no point did he play the feminine role. You know, a lot of times in movies they do that to put the woman in the front. And then they'll reduce the man, you know, by reducing his masculinity. But at no point was that the case. And everything they did, they did as a family. Even building the school, they did as a family. You know, so it's it's a good film um, for family. You know, uh, and it's a clean film. So it's actually a film you can watch with your children. came out in 1981. And really, the school was started in 1975. So you think about that. The film came out six years after the school started. So... It was still a very new place in that sense, but nonetheless, um, this this Strong's film is Peaceful Warrior. All right, and with that, let's uh, let's get into our content. Let's get into our into our build. All right, get your, get your notepads ready. Here we go. All right, everyone, let's get right into it. So today, as we uh, broadcast this is the day of wisdom cipher 20th wisdom cipher all being born to wisdom and that's exactly what we're gonna we're gonna deal with in this session uh we're gonna take a different kind of direction but let's um let's start with understanding the terms that we're dealing with right wisdom so wisdom is the ability to speak wisely so you know when we're employing wisdom there's a voicing And it's the ability to uh, make our knowledge known. The things that we know, we make them known through wisdom. When we're doing it in proper order, wisdom is water. It's the water substance, and it's the true substance of uh, of life, as we know it on on Earth. You know, in our 120 lessons, we understand that wisdom is the woman, as well. So, um, being the woman, there's so many other aspects to that. But, uh, you know, the woman often can be the voice of the man, you know, as wisdom is the wise words spoken by a wise man that becomes power. So when the creator speaks, it's automatically wisdom. It's automatically wisdom when the creator is speaking, you know, because when the creator speaks, it's, you know, you think about wisdom as water, right? When the earth is uh, three fourths water, right? Our bodies are 90 percent water. And um, in our 120 lessons, as well as our, our new culture, we strive to have our women covered three-fourths, right? So there's an association of not only being modest in, in dress and appearance, but also being covered in wisdom by three-fourths. So what happens in that, just like the, the oceans are bottomless and, and boundless, wisdom becomes the same thing. It becomes that boundless um, bridge between knowledge and understanding that flows and never goes dry, just like an ocean. You know, wisdom is the the movement. It's a moving vessel in which an original man allows his knowledge to be known, you see. 
So when you allow your knowledge to be known, you know, that's synonymous with deciding what woman that you're going to allow to represent you, what woman that you're going to work and partner with and conjoin with that you could, that you, you know, publicly represent and say, yes, this is the moving vision or she is the, the moving representation of what it is that I know, you know, so I'll let, I'll let it be known. So we have wisdom cipher all being born to wisdom and, um, and understanding, you know, the value of wisdom and its movement of knowledge. We always put the knowledge before the wisdom so that way we get proper understanding. Whenever we put the wisdom before the knowledge, then we, we produce misunderstanding. Misunderstanding is hate. Understanding is love. Okay? So when we understand, we see things with our inner vision. And the only way to see things with our inner vision is to allow knowledge to be known through wisdom so proper understanding can be brought forth. So with that, still in alignment with what we've been teaching about uh, not only the wise woman, but the wise elder. You know, because the things that we've been building on, they, they can correlate to man or woman. But, you know, we've been focusing a lot on the role of the older woman, you know, uh, not only to, towards the younger, the younger woman, but also even to the younger man. So what I wanted to get into was the book of Proverbs or is the book of, of Proverbs or Proverbs, as some of you may know it. And um, we're just going to start with a couple of the, the, the verses and we're going to move a little slow through it. Right. Uh, Proverbs is a book that a lot of people uh, feel comfortable pulling from because if you're not a person who identifies with Christian Christian philosophy, you know, or even Hebraic philosophy, a lot of folks will just appreciate the universal wisdom that sits inside of Proverbs. But, you know, one of the important things when you're studying the Hebraic scriptures, you know, as as opposed to the Greek or the Christian scriptures, which some would call the New Testament, right? Uh, when you're studying the Hebraic Testament, or what some mistakenly call the Old Testament, it's it's always good to understand that Hebraic words have multiple meanings, and even each letter itself has a multiple has multiple meanings. You know, so sometimes when you seek to study in English, um, it you may think you got something, you know, much sooner than you really did, or something that you really didn't get, quote unquote. You know, like, oh, I got this down back. That made sense. And you may not realize, like, there's so much more that's being said. But because you're reading it in English, you're missing out on a lot of the value. So it's important for us to try when we can to get some level of understanding uh, for the way things are written and the language that they were written in. Right. So what's what's uh, interesting about Proverbs, I would say is it's really broken up into three parts. And, of course, it's it's all instructional. You know, it begins with instruction uh, from Proverbs 1. You know, Proverbs of Solomon, the son of, of David. And really his name was Shlomo. So not really Solomon, but Shlomo, uh, where we also get Salim, or we get peace. Right? So, so Shlomo. And I know some will say, well, Solomon is where you get son of man, or, you know, solo amun or sol amun. Yeah, you can make those correlations. You've heard me even make those correlations at times. But, you know, one of the important things to understand is that 
when you're reading scripture, scripture is not the final word. And I know that there are many people who will see that as blasphemous. But understand what, I, what I'm saying, please, when I say scripture. Um, what you're reading is uh, interpretation that are made by groups of people. So groups of people get together and they say, we're going to make this interpretation, whether it's, it's going to be the um, international version or it's going to be the new, new King James version or the um, BBE or the BSB, the Berrien, you know, version. These are people who are getting together or the ASV, you know, um, and saying, okay, this is how we see these words. But it's always important to understand that when you're studying these scriptures, there is a political link, uh, um, leaning. There is a cultural leaning. And what that means is if I have a certain perception or ideology as it relates to skin color, if I have a certain ideology as it relates to gender, as it relates to sexual orientation, as it relates to politics, as it relates to economics, I am going to interpret what I read through that, that perspective, through that framework and through that worldview. So that's why it's it's good to be able to go to some of the original words and then re you know, maybe reinterpret um through your own perspective by use of the Ruach Kokadesh. The Ruach Kokadesh is what you may call the Holy Spirit or what I may call the mother or the wisdom. Okay? So it's important to understand that, you know, what you may read in English is not necessarily the final word. And I know that there are organizations, religious organizations. There are churches who will say whatever this says, they, they, you know, they take it very literal. Whatever this says is, is this is what it is. And um, you may enslave yourself to someone else's interpretation in that way. And that could be really harmful for your growth. Right. So we always want to make sure that we're we're framing things through the worldview of our culture and our nation. That's so very important. Right. So I just wanted to put that out there, you know, as we're studying. So what you find in uh, the first book, I mean, excuse me, you know, in, in Proverbs starting from the beginning is that there is instruction that's given to an individual. In fact, it's given to a son. You know, and um, it begins from that from that particular perspective. Basically, when we read one through 19, Proverbs one through 19, um, what we're what we're told is, you know, hear my son. You know, now, you know, a son is being spoken to. And what's being taught here is not only proper ways of living, but proper ways of parenting as well. Right. Um, and this is too important. This this is important because we have two characters that are really represented here. Right. We have mother and father or we have more importantly, as far as like directive characters, we have father and we have wisdom. So we have, you know, father and we have woman who is wisdom. So right in the beginning that the, the uh, young man is being warned about certain things. Right. So. Uh, if we were to read, we have um, the Proverbs of Shlomo, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the words of understanding, 
to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to the young man. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will attain to sound counsel. To understand a proverb and parables, the words and riddles of the wise, the fear of Yah is the beginning of knowledge, but the foolish despise wisdom and instruction. My son, listen to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching, for they will be a garland to grace your head and a necklace around your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let's swallow them up alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down into the pit. We will find all valuable wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil. They hurry to shed blood. For in vain is the net spread in the sight of any bird. But these lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owner. Right? So that's like, that's our first section when we're looking at, at that first chapter. And, you know, when you hear me speak about knowing the words is very important. So, for instance, just this is, I'm going to use this as an example because we quote this one sometimes. Well, I, at least I do. It's always one I've liked. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Right? So, um, when we begin to break that down, you know, in, um, in a way that we can break it down, you know, we find that those words have have possible different meanings that that can be utilized right so when we say fear um that can actually be translated into reverence that can be translated into reverence right and of course lord would be yahuwah or yah or in this time uh the most high when asked his name was um i am i am that which i am becoming was the name that was given is the beginning of knowledge. Well, here's the thing, interesting thing about that be, that word beginning. And there's been some debate about, about this among um, Hebrew scholars. That word beginning doesn't necessarily mean numerical beginning, you know, or a, or a sequential beginning. Like this thing happened first and then that thing happened second. That word beginning also means first in terms of quality. So, you know, like this is the number one such and such, you know, the, the number one tire you could use on your car. That word can also be translated as that is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Well, that word instruction actually in some texts is, is translated as discipline. As discipline. So if we bring it back again, we have. The fear of Yah is the best of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. 
And the discipline that's spoken about there is the discipline of actually putting something into action, like putting, you know, putting your, your hands and your feet where your mouth are and not just speaking, you see. And if you think about that, it there's a lot of science just in that. That's just one verse. That's just one verse. But there's a, there's a lot of science in that um, already because you think about how does a fool typically act someone who is vain you know uh someone who is vain when you say okay well you're saying this particular thing but let me see you do it let me see you carry it out you know oftentimes a fool will they'll run their mouths (laughs) of course and then when you say like well i don't see you doing it they'll start to rage you see because they despise it they despise um well, some says in some translations, like I said, um, instruction, but in others, it will say discipline. You know, they just, they despise the idea of having to be serious about what they say, what and who they say they, they are, you see. So that word um, in the Hebrew is Musar, right? Musar or, or Musair. And, you know, again, that concept there of instruction or being um, chastised or even having a sense of, of doctrine, you know, or discipline or, you, you know, so a fool despises being checked. You know, we might say that in our modern colloquial language, you know, like, man, someone did something wrong and I had to check them. You know, I had to straighten them out. I had to let them know what was what. That's what that's saying. You know, when you see that ego flare up, when someone does something, you say, hey, you know, I don't appreciate what you did or that could have been done a different way. Or I notice you keep having this issue. Let's take a look at it. They despise that level of correction, that level of discipline. And, of course, that level of um, of wisdom. You know, so it's important to kind of understand what's being said. And then when we say uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, like I said, that word beginning doesn't necessarily mean that the start it's it's receipt or receipt, you know, in Ray. As soon as you see Ray, right, sure, you have the beginning like in, you know, Bereshit, you know, so it's the it's the receipt. So in be is in. You know, we 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 broke this down on the real Genesis breakdown, right? So you already know that. And Rishit, right? So this is the root of the, like the word Bereshit, but it doesn't just mean you know Rishit or Resh because you have Resh in, in the beginning there, right? Resh or Ras means king, but it means head. It means chief, right? Which also means the best. So in the best. You know, when we say, we say, but a fool despises, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. The fear of the Lord is the best. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the best wisdom, you know, or knowledge, excuse me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord or the reverence of I am who I am becoming is the best knowledge. You see what happened? And we didn't actually, <laughs> we didn't actually break apart every every word in that phrase. Uh, we only broke apart two. But you see how it's, it begins to change. And of course, the ath, the ath is uh, knowledge in that, by the way, which 
you know, means knowledge, but it also means um, to be cunning. You know, it means to perceive certain things or to have skill in certain things or to be able to discern certain things. You see, so the reverence of I am who I who I am becoming is the best perception. But a fool despises wisdom and discipline. Okay, so we, we're just scratching the surface, <laughs> you know, in terms of um, what we're speaking about with this particular um, book of Proverbs. I'm going to break this up into pieces because I know I'm going to I've been going over a lot lately. And as a result, I've been leaving a lot of stuff out. So I'm going to try not to do that. But we read up the verse from one to 19. Right. Like I told you, that's the first section of Proverbs. Then it goes on from there. Now, 20 is where we start to get into wisdom. Right. And I think it's it's such an important piece to look at because wisdom is immediately, as you will see, is associated with the feminine or women. It says, verse 20, wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. See, we get right into it. So now we know it's a second part because it's taking a second. It's taking a different perspective instead of son. Don't do this. Son, don't do that. Son, don't do that. Now we're talking about wisdom, right? Now, what's important there when you read wisdom crieth without, right? It starts, it automatically associates um, wisdom with outside. So it's not necessarily saying that wisdom is inside the synagogue or wisdom is inside the temple. Wisdom is inside the school, wisdom inside of the church or, you know, whatever it is you want to say. It's saying that she crieth. Meaning wisdom is screaming outside in the streets. Now you consider that for a second. Now why would wisdom have to scream outside in the streets? Because outside is noisy. It's a lot of distractions outside. These were some of the things that were said in the verses before. Like, look, you're going to have friends who are going to want to attack people. That's gangs. He's talking about gangs. You're going to have people who are going to want to gamble. That's when he's like, let's throw all our money in one purse. You know, that could also be related to stocks. You see, you're investing with people where they're going to use their profits for evil deeds. You shouldn't even invest with evil people. See how, see how much deeper it gets? Because then you have to start looking at, well, what about my job? I work with people who are unrighteous. Shouldn't you should not work with people who are unrighteous. That's a whole lifestyle change. Yeah, it's called wisdom. It's called wisdom. When's the last time you, you heard about a mass shooting at a at an Amish um, butter, butter churnery, <laughs> you know, or an Amish furniture making store? You see? So it's just called wisdom. That's all. But she screams out in the street because she's just looking for somebody. Listen to what I'm saying. Somebody hear this message. You see? And the truth is, why is it so important that wisdom says you got please hear what I'm saying? Please listen to what I'm saying, because without wisdom, you can't have righteousness. They go hand in hand, you know, in order for you to start to sharpen your perception, to sharpen your keenness, as it was said, you see. So and the thing is, there's a sharpening of the hearing. She crieth out in the streets. 
right? I have to be able to hear wisdom over all the noise. You see, I have to be able to. So when it says hear my son in the very beginning, you know, we know that this is a parent instructing the family and the woman is counted like, you know, in some translations, you'll see hold fast to your father's instructions and the law of your mother. And it says, cause that will be like a chain around your neck, you know, and others say a garland or a necklace. Right. But the, the, the key there is that each parent serves a role, but has a different role. The mother is, is, is sharing and reflecting the law. You see, you know, how many times I've told you that women are the culture keepers. They keep the clock. This is the law. But it says, listen to your father's instruction. So your father will jump in and out. Hey, do it this way. Do it that way. And the mother will keep the, the steady rhythm and the steady timing of your lawful activity. You see. So we have this idea here that the, that this is something that parents will want the fathers to know. But they want they want the the the, the, the child to know the woman intimately or the wisdom intimately because it, it sets the setting for what needs to happen when he's inside of when he's or he's outside in the streets and he's he's hearing the noise and there's so many things that are alluring him to go here and let's do this over here let's do this over here no listen carefully to the voice of wisdom and if you submit and listen to the voice of, of wisdom then you'll be able to experience life as it's as it was designed to to be you see you'll be able to have it in that sense so one of the things that we have to learn to do as people who are striving for better awareness, as jagnas, as older people, as younger people, we got to train our air. Training the air is so important. You know, I could tell you so many stories about listening, <laughs> you know, uh, coming from a musical family and a musical background. You could just imagine how important listening was. You know, especially when you're playing on stage or you're dancing on stage and you got to listen for certain cues amongst everything else that's that's going on, you know, and you're even listening for audience feedback and for instructions, you know. So being able to tune in and train your ear is, is extremely important because wisdom cries aloud in the streets. She raises her voice, you know, so at the entrance of the gate, she speaks. Right. So we read longer. I'll show you. She crieth in the chief place of concourse in the openings of the gates in the city. She uttereth her words saying, how long ye simple ones will ye love simplicity and the scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn you at my reproof. That's correction. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you because I have called and you have refused. I have stretched out my hand and no man regarded. But ye have set it not on my counsel and with none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when you fear when you when your fear cometh. When your fear comes as desolation and your destruction comes as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, then shall you call upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me early, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge 
and did not choose the fear of Yahuwah. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. For the turning away of the simple shall slay them and the prosperity of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkeneth unto me shall dwell safely and shall be quiet from fear of evil. Right? See how serious it gets? So you have someone in the very beginning, wisdom, who's begging you to listen. Please, somebody just listen. I'm in the streets. I'm screaming out over all the noise, over all the folly. Listen, I ha- listen. I'm trying to show you something. I'm trying to lead you away from destruction and your ear has to be able to be trained to hear it, to hear wisdom as the dominating voice and the dominating directive over all the noise and busyness of your life and of your own ego and of your own feelings. You see, and some of us have ears that are trained better than others. Those of us, we become leaders, we become elders, we become jagnas, we become chiefs, we become pastors. You know, and we we have to learn to walk wisely and filter out the nonsense. Listen for the voice of truth and everything, but filter that nonsense out because the streets get busy. Streets get loud. Streets get noisy. You see, it is all sorts of siren calls. You know, the sirens that call when the sailors are, are going in the night and they cause them to crash their boats along the ships along the rocks. And some of those sirens are self-pity, depression, sexual immorality, self-worship, you know, um, self-transcending or transcendental experiences, self-idolatry, you know, piety. There's so many different things. And they create like this orchestra of sound. And wisdom is crying above all of them. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. You see? And there's all this buzzing of dishonesty, of malice, of slander. You know, self-justifying for the things that you got no business doing. And sometimes they're they're so um, rhythmic and loud and and cantankerous around us that we lose our energy to listen to to concentrate to listen and to hear what wisdom is being said you see sometimes we only hear what's right in front of us and that might be the serpent hissing you see so one of the important things when you're working with someone whether it's a um, again an elder working with a younger or a parent working with a child is you train them to hear your authoritative voice. When your voice tone changes, they need to know they stop. Not keep talking, not keep, you know, arguing or there should be never be an argue argument with you and a younger. If you if that happens, you're not even really their parent. You know, there has to be that reverence. And you have to create a culture of reverence inside of your home. You see. So you don't have to play a whole lot of punishment games. I'm going to put you in the corner. I'm going to take this away from you. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do. No. My voice is the authority and you're going to revere that. And then once you can do that, then the ears will be trained to filter out the nonsense. 
then they'll start to hear the voice of the Ruach Kodesh because that's what you should be speaking from. So you won't have a person who's an adult saying, man, I, God doesn't speak to me. God doesn't speak. What are you talking about? Wisdom cries in the streets. What are you talking about? God doesn't speak to you. You see, but you have to deliberately make yourself go through that training. As a young musician coming up, you know, I had a really good ear, but there were some things I, were not, I was not good at at all that I had to learn. I was not good. I wasn't good at picking out harmonies when I was when I was younger. It took me a long time and I couldn't understand because the people around me, it just seemed like they just could. Oh, this is the note. Harmonize really quick. And I'd be still like, huh? I don't. How do you hear all that? How do you hear that note? Everything else is going on. And you hear that note. That's one of the reasons I gravitated towards drums and bass initially. You know, it was a uh, good friend of mine as a as a young time. You know, I was trying to listen for the bass. I was like, how do you hear the bass? And he said, just listen for the strongest thing on the on the record. And I was like, oh, okay. So I became a bass player. <laughs> that was easy to pick out. Yeah, you're going to hear the boom, 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 boom. Yeah, that's the strongest thing. Okay, easy. But the more subtle things, it was difficult for me. And I, I trained myself. It took many years to hear all of the subtle things. A lot of listening on with headphones, without headphones. While I used to listen a lot, like play music in the background. I still do that to this day. Training, I still train my ear, and it, it never ends. I play something in the background, going to the to the other room and do something, work, and see if I can pick out parts while I'm in the other room and I might be reading or the TV's on or something else is going on. You see, and that's the same way we have to train ourselves to listen to the voice of wisdom, to listen to the voice of the Creator. You see, and when you can't have that heart that that won't accept reproof, that won't accept correction. You know, when she said, when wisdom said, I will pour out my spirit to you, I will make my words known to you. Come on, it doesn't it doesn't get any easier than that. It doesn't get any better than that. You see, it does not get any better than that. You know. So when you feel or you hear that rebu- rebuking or you hear that that reproofing that's coming, you know, first understand that there's times that you're going to be cut. You're going to be cut deep. That happens. And you're going to be cut deep in the heart and it's going to hurt. You see, and you have to understand that that allowing that to happen without fighting from it is what makes makes the difference in eternity. Because it's it's what it's what lasts forever when you allow those deep cuts. When you allow just a little surface exfoliation, and then when someone starts to get deep, you catch an attitude, or you know you start biting back at them, or cracking jokes, or what or whatever you do to get them up off of you, then you never really secure a healthy consciousness in the afterlife. You see, because you refuse to have your human ego cut away at. You refuse to have your heart lightened. You see, you choose bitterness over betterness. So you, you never you never allow any medication to come in, but everything is about self-justification. There's, no, there's never any humility where you now examine, you know, what was just said to me? You know, did I respond in a heartfelt, humble way? You know, or did I respond with condemnation, which doesn't come from the heart? Did I respond with contention, which doesn't come from the heart? 
you see. So it's so important. And, you know, we're going to we're going to get deeper into this. Um, I already went over a little bit, <laughs> but I'm not going to go over as much as I as I have been going because I'm going to break this up. And this is still all related to the responsibility of the older or the elder to the younger. You know, understanding that wisdom is attainable. And it's guaranteed if you ask for it. It's there. It's not it's crying out in the streets. It's it's not hiding from you. You see, and it's it's a gift to have it poured out. And the only thing that you have to do is open your hand. That's the you know, if you, you notice there's no price that's talked about in these scriptures. Just open your hand up. Just listen. That's it. That's all you have to do. And then you get everything. All right. So I'm going to take a break and I'll come right back. Okay. So just a couple of little points I want to share with you all. As always, um, for any book of mine that you may want to purchase, you can always go to Amazon.com. But you can also go to the ChiefYuya.com website. Um, on my website, you'll find all of the podcasts, the majority of the podcasts. And you will also find links to all of my books as well. So the 14 Keys is there. Um, solutions for dysfunctional family relationships is there um, Shrine and altar is there um, What else did I write? <laughs> the compass, uh, which is a free work um, Is on the website as well uh, Is also there um, You know, uh, mind hard words is there Noir male, misconceptions of a lost male is there You know all of them all right uh so just be sure that if you grasping root of divine power of course the og <laughs> grasping root of divine power so you know if you're interested in, in any of those texts you can always go there and there are audio versions of some of the works as well solutions for dysfunctional family relationships has an audio version the 14 keys has an audio version and mind heart words also has an audio version uh they're not all on audible because Audible is a pain in the neck So I will be working to put them back up there Or get them up there uh, 14 Keys is on Audible But on other platforms Like um, Apple's uh, book platform As well as Google Books um, Platform you will find solutions For dysfunctional family relationships Where I am voicing all of the characters Male and female You know <laughs> And you'll find also the other ones as well So just wanted to put that out there uh, For anyone interested in the text As always you can um, Sign up for classes At saduluhouse.com S-A-D-U-L-U-H-O-U-S-E Dot com And sign up for our new spiritual training One, two is coming out soon I've been holding off because I actually Totally redid it I went in a different direction So it was a lot of work redoing it So um, And as well as for uh, any other classes Like the ones we have on Meditation and astral travel And crystals And there's a bunch of oils And you know so forth and so on So uh, be sure if you're interested In, in any sort of class Go to saduluhouse.com Alright and as always For readings or coaching for consultations, I should say, askosiris.com and for coaching, osirislife.com if you want ongoing support. 
to join my community where I am the shepherd and uh, chief over. That's anulifeglobal.org. A-N-U-L-A-N-U-L-I-F-E-G-L-O-B-A-L dot O-R-G. And also you can follow all of them on, you know, uh, social media. Anu Life Global, or Anu Life GM, rather, is the uh, social media handle for Anu Life. I'm, can, I can always be found at Chief Yuya, um, despite what the books say that I have to have that fixed. Because I changed social media handles so many times And for music and things like that Chief Yuya Music Or just go on to any of your digital streaming platforms And look up Chief Yuya There's not too many of us <laughs> And uh, you'll find uh, all of the, the good metaphysic and healing music that I uh, create Alright, with that, let's get back to it Okay, so it's book time You know, it's book time You know, that's an important part of our podcast So this uh, this uh, episode's book that we're going to be looking at uh, Is The Art of the Start The Art of the Start And there's um, two versions of the book actually There's the, the older one And then there's uh, The Art of the Start 2.0 Which is kind of an updated one So I'm going to recommend 2.0 I read I read the first one And And 2.0 Um And 2.0 Is definitely is, is Worth going at That route But It's It's a basic book It's simple It's, it's written by Guy Guy Kawasaki And uh It's essentially About How to Well as the title says How to get started Doing things Like if you want to Start a company Or you know You want to start An idea And you know Where do you begin And most importantly Like how do you find Meaning in what you're doing A lot of times When we're We're aiming Towards wanting to do A particular thing We're thinking about The money And this book Really gets you Into understanding How to set yourself up Like how to outline What should your Assumptions be Or not be About what you're Getting ready to do what should your task list look like um, Your milestones You know again establishing purpose From the very beginning and really how to Establish what you're doing so that it's Successful you know so For anyone who's interested in entrepreneurship Which should be every Single Anu member So for anyone who's interested in Entrepreneurship this is an Excellent book because it's very basic And um, It's not it's not filled with just a lot of fluff You know A lot of times you have people advertising these like Get rich quick Sort of books and You know 20 days and you'll be On your track to a million dollars You know this isn't really that um, This book is really just Focusing on like the basics and, and what you do To improve the lives of the people Who it is that you're looking to sell to And to make sure that what you're doing You know has a meaning in it But you know When your focus is just money And your and your motivation is greed Then you'll attract Dishonest And wicked customers You know So it's, it's really setting things up in a, in a great way So That's the book that we're gonna uh, Take a look at Like I said I, I read both versions of it And I thought they were They were great You know for, Especially for, for beginners um, Wanting to accomplish Certain business goals And understanding like how to set your milestones You know those big events Along the way And even um, Creating proof 
for whatever it is that you're, you know, proofing what you're trying to do, you know, not just setting up something or building something inside of a vacuum, but understanding like how to put something you're doing out there so that it can be tested, you know, whatever it is, whether it doesn't have to necessarily be a business, you know, um, but really planning so that you'll be successful and you can identify who your stakeholders are and, and, and all these different types of things, man. So, um, the art of start by Guy Kawasaki, you know, is, uh, really where you want to go. And, um, I think you'll enjoy it. I think you'll definitely enjoy it. You know, like I said, it's a good, good basic book on, uh, on getting things done, you know, and it was a book when I read it, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It didn't, it, uh, it definitely put some new ideas in my head and also pointed out some some mistakes that I was making at the time and how I could fix those mistakes in terms of my business my businesses and like my different entrepreneurial pursuits and you know um what made some of the things I did that actually have potential and I didn't realize it, you know so yeah check that book out you'll enjoy it the art of start by guy kawasaki and i would say again get a 2.0 if if you can all right to really help you to build your brand learn how to network get your career going get your business going and your entrepreneurial pursuits all right okay cool so now let's deal with our q a right i know we're getting back to i'm a little out of order with this to be honest with you but um (laughs) There was one that came in and um this sister's always been very supportive and stuff, so I'm kinda changing bring it bring her I let her skip in line a little bit. But um the question is it was I'll read it. Good risings, greetings, Chief. Hope all is well with you. First and foremost, I want to say thank you for the Jezebel series. It was definitely something that resonated with me and it answered many questions I had throughout my life. While listening, I had several questions which were answered as I went through all the parts. But one question I have is, are Jezebels the same in every culture? Thank you for what you do for the community. Well, you're welcome and you're welcome, right? You're welcome for the series and you're welcome for the work. I give thanks to the creator for empowering me to fulfill the mission, you know, being a warrior for the best deity the darkness has ever produced. All right. So the thing about um, when you're dealing with spirits like Jezebel or, or any other spirit, it's an invasion. That's the first thing to look at. It's an invasion, right? And it lives through invasion. So it, it's similar to like some people will speak about demonic possession, for instance. But demonic possession is a condition. But it's a con- it's it's if you take the word possession out and use the word invasion, then you can understand a little bit more. So think about nations. Think about certain groups that they survive over time through invading other groups invading other people right so when you're dealing with this type of thing it's not necessarily localized to a particular culture it's not localized to a a group of people because it invades various cultures right and it's a condition now that condition may be um you, you a person becomes hostile it could be a person starts hearing voices 
you know, um, that are um, condemnatory, you know, in nature, or they have thoughts of murder or, or suicidal sort of obsessions, you know, um, this, this all sort of different kind of um, things that can come in when someone is invaded or quote unquote possessed by a particular energy. But uh, those uh, sort of um, symptoms, right? They're, they're, they're not, they're not exclusive to a particular group. You know, for instance, in, in, in any culture, we can have some measure, however accurate or inaccurate, of diag, uh, diagnosis of mental conditions, right? You know, so like, for instance, um, for instance, in the West, you know, the DSM three R's is used and that's used to pretty much define different mental disorders, right? But you can use that across different cultures. So, you know, some of the characteristics of someone who may be um, invaded by a spirit, maybe you'll see the presence of very distinct different personalities. You know, they'll become, like I said, violent or um they may be unable to hear at times unable to speak at times uh they may be stronger than usual you wonder where all the strength is coming from they may have more knowledge see a lot of people don't realize that you know you show movies where people are possessed and it's like they're strong and it takes five minutes five people to hold them down that goes across the board they become stronger and more knowledgeable that could be a sign as well sometimes you see that with small children child is so mischievous and just so disagreeable but really smart at the same time and we're trying to figure out how the two go together a lot of times you're looking at a child who's been invaded by a demon they're possessed you know um like i said you'll hear the behavior may be you know bizarre there's all sorts sort of things you know or they may feel like they're being overpowered by evil if you will you know, so there's an influence that can exist there that will lead to disobedient or sinful behavior. And that's that's across the board. And, of course, if you were to pull from, again, a DSM-3R, people are, are you know, there's going to be certain characteristics that may be associated with mental disorders that we wouldn't say are culturally exclusive. Right. So. Again, unable to hear or speak. They're using a different voice at times when they're speaking. Um, their attitude may be unusual. Um, they may go outside naked, doing things like that, walking around naked, having kind of fierce sort of behavior, right? These are all different things that could theoretically be classified as mental disorders, whether you're in the Caribbean, whether you're in North America, whether you're in Europe or whatever, we see these things and we understand across cultures this is what it is. But there's a craftiness that spirits and, and demons and um, archetypes of, of false teachers and false prophets will oftentimes use to get in. You know, they'll, they'll use their craftiness. So you're not realizing sometimes that there's a... There's a Certain influence, there's a demonic influence or a Jezebelic um, sort of influence that's that's on a person because you may be classifying it as something different and giving the wrong sort of, of treatment, if you will. Um, but across cultures, man, it's 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 going to be the same sort of thing that's going to come up. Um, 
sometimes is a sexual perversion, for example, you know, and the reason is perversion is because our sexuality and our sex was given to us by our creator, by our high creator. So there's a there has to be a perversion by the low the low creator, which is the satanic mind or the satanic energy. So as the most high creates us to be sexual beings and there's a sexual relationship within a marriage that is pure. You know, and it's sanctified and is a mutual obligation that we have as marital partners to each other as it pertains to sex. Um, You know, even you look at the Song of Solomon is a celebration of the intimacy of, of marriage. Right. But then there's also a perversion that's called fornication. That's called adultery. That's called um, dissexual practices or uh, zoophilia, which they also call bestiality, um, rape, um, sex abuse, right? Even withholding sex from your marital partner is a perversion of sexuality, you know? And, um, and sometimes people will teach like, well, sex is only for procreation alone, you know, which is another, it's misinterpretation, right? So, this is something that could come up in any culture, right? And it's sometimes there's control aspects involved in that. So the Jezebel will take on forms of sexual sadism, sexual abuse in children, child pornography, you know, which you can find across cultures. Um, and this has nothing to do with, you know, what language a person may speak or anything. Of course, what's being presented may be, you know, um, Influenced by the guiding culture, but the spirit itself invades different cultures and invades religions. You see, so it's going to show up honestly the same way every time. You know, it's going to show up the same way um, every time. And it's going to be, you know, just like any other disobedience. You know, when you see a disobedient child. You can you can see a, a child that's disobedient in in any language, you know, or, or or any format. Now there may be certain nuances that you may not be tuned into, but that demon is going to seek to exercise control, and sometimes by way of control, it will disable someone mentally, you know, so that way they, it can take full control, right? And mental disablement, we we can recognize. You know, for it, I'm just using that as an example, like the sexual thing, for an example. We can recognize that in, in any culture, you know. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, it, it doesn't show up necessarily different. Like a Jezebel is a Jezebel. And that seeking of control, that seeking to influence spiritual or religious bodies, you know, so forth. And so all the things, the outpourings that I kind of shared on that. It's it's going to be the same, you know, straight across the board. Um, but sometimes it could be difficult to kind of get an accurate um, to get an accurate image of or accurate picture, because sometimes in different settings, the way case history is delivered is different. Right. So you you. You know, you may have, instead of someone writing down and documenting, yo, this person had a Jezebel spirit and whoop de whoop de whoop and this is what happened. There may be an a, a anecdotal kind of story 
you know, um, and some of these things may be distorted because of memory failure, <laughs> you know, or kind of an inaccurate perception, if you will. Um, but sometimes you, you have to learn to, to draw your conclusion. You know, sometimes the way a demon is depicted in a third world setting, quote unquote, third world, there's going to be characteristics that you'll find still covered in scriptural accounts of possession. But um, they may not necessarily be diagnosed as mental with a mental disorder based on someone's access to certain things. Or you may have in certain places, you have the obia men, you have shamans, you have fakirs, you have magicians, you know, you have magi, you have all these different things. And that culture may create a different sort of understanding of what's happening. You know, there may be innate. Some of those people may appear to be crafty or cunning or resourceful. And as a result, they'll classify something. It could be a straight. They could be Jezebels, but the classification may be different because of the different language. Right. Um, so that that's where some of the like, you know, you may see some of the difference in, in cultural influence. But once you understand the characteristics of Jezebel or the characteristics of demonic invasion, um, then you'll, you'll get a, a clear idea of, it's kind of like you create a chart almost, like when you see certain mental disorders, and then you create a corresponding chart to the characteristics, let's say, of Jezebel, we'll use as an example. And you'll start to be able to create your own interpretive framework to understand like when this thing is actually happening and when there's, when there needs to be a presence of the most high or there needs to be a presence of the divine and righteous and it's not there, you know. So the demonic influence that you may see or the Jezebelic influence, um, it is still aim itself at people of power, people of influence, people who are respected, people who are revered, you know, um, and those same symptoms will kind of they'll they'll show in the same way um but sometimes there'll be a a complicated sort of issue that you'll come up with with diagnosing it because of the influence of mental disorders and how those may be classified throughout cultures that's all you know so um that's the answer you know to that and thank you for the question thank you for for sending that in i know originally you sent it i think on youtube or somewhere and uh, so that's for everyone, too. You know, always send your questions in at questions at chiefyuya.com. Questions at chiefyuya.com. All right. So um, with that, that's our Q&A for this particular session. And um, let's, uh, let's bring it. Let's, let's close out. All right. So with that, um, just wanted to kind of close this out. Like I said, I'm keeping my time here. And we're going to break this up into many pieces because it's an important aspect of understanding the personification of who and what we're supposed to be. When wisdom is crying out in the, in the streets, what is it that we're supposed to do? You know, and once you start to understand that, um, the connection, there's a, there's a deep, essential connection between wisdom and our sanctification, our separation, just like you would separate sounds. There's a deep connection there. And like I said, wisdom is available to us. When you think about the, of the image of a, wiz, of a woman, 
screaming out in the streets to teach you, inviting everyone to embrace this wisdom. Come here, come on, come on, come on, listen, listen, listen. Now, how would you really feel if you saw someone like that? Most of the time in movies, especially end of the world movies, those are the people who are depicted as being mentally unhinged. But the scriptures are saying that's exactly how wisdom is coming. And we have to be humble enough to admit that it's something that we need. Yeah, I need wisdom. I'll humble up because uh, a lot of times people are not humble enough to realize how abundant wisdom is. When you're arrogant and you're haughty, you don't see wisdom. You don't see the original woman. You see, you don't see the, the, the vessels of knowledge that are all around you. You see, because your hand is never open to receive. It's always closed. So you don't get the gift. It's a free gift. <laughs> you know, you take take the free stuff as you can get it. You know, you, you know, you, you have to realize at some point, hey, maybe I've been a fool. And when, you know, wisdom said, how long? Wisdom said it two times in that in that um, that passage. How long? Wisdom is saying, look, I've been offering this to you and you have continued to refuse it. It says by by the simple, by the scoffers and by the fools. You see, and the scoffers are the people who who are so defiant and cynical that they ridicule anything. You know, sometimes, you know, you be taught. I get this. I don't know if you all get it, too. Sometimes someone asks me something about my culture. I've even had people say, well, what does your name mean? And I tell them what, what my name means. And they go, okay. You know, make that weird face. And, you know, <laughs> and when they do that, you're like, you don't, you, you know, you try to be kind. <laughs> but you don't want to say like, you're the, you're the dummy. You're the fool. And you, you don't even realize it. You're looking at me or I've had that happen with things I've eaten. Or I'm eating in the moment. What is that? Oh, it's um some this, some that, you know, some seaweed. Seaweed? Yeah, seaweed has a lot of minerals in it. Okay. What are you eating? <laughs> well, you you enjoy that uh, honey glazed ham over there. I'm going to keep eating a sushi wrap here, my veggie sushi wrap. But you, you enjoy. But you're the fool. So that's that's the scoffer, you know, um, they revel in wickedness. They revel in the wicked path, you know, as if they know something that you don't know. But wisdom is sent, telling us, Sophos is telling us, you know, you can get wisdom if you just respond to my correction. You see, that's all you got to do. And of course, correction is not fun. Being rebuked and be, or reproofed. It's not fun. It means that there's a moment as you're being checked or corrected that you're also being convicted in what you're doing. Whatever's faulty is being uncovered and revealed. And you are given an op opportunity as to which way you're going to go. You're going to go left, right, straight, what? You see? But that's a critical aspect of spiritual wisdom is correction. You can't have it without correction. You see. Just like imagine a mother who never corrects. What kind of child do you think is going to come out? You already know. We've seen them. 
The world is overrun with them. The streets are overran with them. Unruly, spoiled, entitled, manipulative, evil, demonically infested, sneaky. You see? Disrespectful. We The list goes on and on and on and on. They, and what do we say? Yeah, they weren't raised right. There was no correction. So what do you think you your responsibility is as elder to younger, whether it's elder man to younger man or younger woman or elder man or man to woman or elder woman to younger woman, mother to child, father to child. That reproof is necessary because if you reject it long enough, then your pain is rejected. You mock it long enough, then you're mocked. So, you know, actually, it's funny because I just got a message recently, something that happened to someone. And uh, one of my members um, messaged me and asked me for some insight on it. And the first thing I responded, said, yeah, that's what they get. They know better. They, they, you know, another member did something they shouldn't have been doing. And now they got really jammed up as a result. But they knew better. How long will you decide how long not to listen? So now, you know, there comes a point, like I've said, even with um, Anu, there comes a point where now the door is closing. Some of you may remember there was a time when there was no Anu application process. You were just given a phone number. We call and there'd be a bunch of people on that line. Because all you had to do was call in. Then I started narrowing it and narrowing it and narrowing it and now, you know, to now it's like, do you really want to be here? Because you're going to be corrected. You're going to be reproved. (laughs) You see, but now when people come to me and they message me or they go into my inbox and say, chief, I got this problem. I need to talk to you. Nah, can I say I tried to set up an appointment, but I couldn't set up an appointment. Yeah, I'm not. I don't take everybody anymore. You see what's happening? Because it was a time I was crying out in the street. Here is free. It's free. Oh, I wrote a book. How much does it cost? Three ninety nine. What? Three ninety nine. Here's the new way. How much does that cost? It's free. There's over fifteen hundred videos, podcasts, whatever, whatever. Boom. I'm not selling anything in any of them. It's all free. Wisdom is crying out in the streets. You mock it. And I know that may seem harsh. Um. When you, but you got to understand that when you read that verse 31, where it says, therefore, they shall eat of the fruit of their own way. They shall eat of the fruit of their own way. If you think about that for a second. And be filled with their own schemes. This is what you wanted. (laughs) This is what you worked for. You wanted this. Why would you why should you be graced with anything other than what you earned? Why should you feel entitled to anything other than what you earned? You see. Always think about that when people say, well, God knows my heart. Big man will accept me upstairs. Well, not according to this. Not according to this. Verse 28. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Thought he knew your heart. (laughs) He's not even picking up the phone. You see? Because there's a repentance that's being called for. 
and it's being described. But in verse 28, that's not real repentance because you're only coming around when there's a problem. Now that everything fell apart, here you come. Oh, oh, help me out. And, you know, uh, I've always been around. I never I never deny. I never didn't. I, I never said it wasn't a God. I never said God didn't exist. You can't say I said that. But see, wisdom knows when it's half hearted and when it's authentic. And a lot of times when we're in it, we're in the middle of a storm inside of our life is when we start crying out and calling out and we're expecting some sort of response. But there's no love in that. There's no desire to do the will of the creator. Above all things, you just want to be bailed out of whatever you created for yourself. You see, you just want to be bailed out. You re- you see that in Hebrews third chapter. Take care, brothers, lest there be any of you um, an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Yahawashai, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Is it in you or is it on you? Because we could tell when it's on you. Because when the storm is raging, the wind is blowing and it's knocking your, your disguise off. <laughs> you can't stay in trauma and calamity, but for so long and still pretend to be something you're not. Your slippers start showing. All right. So I want to thank you for listening. This has been episode 93 of the Chief Yuya podcast. And we're dealing with wisdom. And um, I have other, other. Um, you can go through the podcast archive. I think it's episode 71, 72, somewhere around there, where I speak about seeking wisdom as well. You know, and I and I approach it from a different angle. Look at episode 73. I looked it up real quick. You know, but um, this one we're going to break up because it's very important for us in understanding each other, understanding our role as parents, as guardians, as elders. And it's all coming off of that Jezebel. <laughs> you know, I know some people are really sad about me closing that up. But like I said, I may come back to people message me. It's like, you know, I literally cried. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Stop being so dramatic. But, um, but this is all related to Jezebel. We're all, we're still following one strain of thought. So don't, don't, don't close your notebooks. <laughs> Don't close your notebooks. It's all related. All right. But in any event, um, thank you for tuning in. You know, this has been a beautiful experience. And like I said, we're going to break this up and we'll be back with some more. All right. Chief Yuya signing out. Peace. <laughs>